And welcome back. This is episode eight of Oh No No No, the Wraith Rovers podcast. And we are, of course, here to talk about Saturday's Fife Derby as the Rovers welcome Dunfermline to town. Uh, I am once again your host, I'm Duncan Cameron. And joining me on the panel tonight, we have back in his pulpit and bestowing wisdom on his parishioners. It's uh, John Greer. John, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be back. Fantastic. Um, now, the Dutch gave us Manny Dooku and we gave them Scott Fleming. I think we definitely know that we get the bum end of that deal. Scott, how are you? Good God, if I'm getting referred to him, I'm all right. Uh, cheers. Magic. She's uh, she's making the main stand cool again. It's Christina Beatty. How are you, Christina? I'm good, thank you. Fantastic. Um, he's here to teach us a thing or two. It's Blair Hopcroft. How are you, Blair? Very well, mate. Thank you. Fantastic. And of course, Kirkcaldy's answer to Adam Buxton. It's the podcast in chief. It's Robbie Weir. How are you, Robbie? I'm fine, but I do not get that reference. No worries, you won't be the only one. So, um, after an unexpected week off, the Rovers welcome seventh place, Dunfermline, coming off the back of uh, two defeats in a row for the first time since James McPake has been in charge over there. So, with that in mind... Are you filled with optimism for this one, Blair? Uh, I mean, it's a fight, obviously, so no. Um, I am, to be fair, in the sense that I feel like this team's different. I feel like, we've, we've mentioned that a few times, I think we deal with things differently. We um, we don't have the same panic that sets in about us, um, but I still have the same panic that sets in about me. So, yeah, nervous, but excited. Yeah, I've always preferred away derbies more than home derbies just because of the weight of expectation. I find it more enjoyable to to go away and not yeah, be quite totally. so worried about it. Um, Christina, how about you? I know you're you're the resident um, rampant optimist. So how are you feeling? Very optimistic. Although I normally go for a three 0 or a four 0 but I think we're it's probably going to be maybe like a three two or a four two this week. I thought you were going to say six or seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. I do think we're going to concede this week, um, probably one or two. But I'm just really looking forward to the atmosphere. I mean, the sales look great, and I just love the the atmosphere of Dunfermline and Wraith anyway. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. I don't know whether I'm going to be so optimistic to say it's going to be another Lewis one hat trick, but definitely it'll be it'll be a good game, and I definitely think we're going to win. Yeah, definitely. Uh, John, what about you? How are you feeling about this one? Well. I'm a wee bit like Blair. It's a Fife Derby, so, uh, but I think I am quite confident. I, I, uh, I looked at their team twice. We've played them, and to be quite honest, I'm not even sure that I would pick one of their players to be in their team. But it's a Fife Derby, so let's hope we just go and do the business. Yeah, definitely. Um, Robbie, what about you? Yeah, yeah re- thoughts for this one. Relatively optimistic. Um, 
the Fife derbies always tend to be quite a tight game, with the the two exceptions of the four one that they beat us at East End and the uh, the the five one spanking that we gave them at Starks in the COVID season. Um, both teams have not out their injury issues. I mean, you can see that looking across the board. But yeah, just generally, I feel like we've got the better squad, and I hope that we absolutely pump them. And uh, derbies are destined for sound bites and people to look back and be like, "Ah, he's made a cunt of it." But you know. It's uh, just very, very hopeful, is what I would say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's certainly there's a couple of half decent players in there, but I'm I'm kind of the same as you, John. When I start looking through that squad, I'm surprised they didn't do more business in the summer. Um, but in terms of uh, initial thoughts, Scott, round us off. What were you been thinking in the run up to this one? Um, kind of like the rest of you, is just I'm fairly confident going into it, just with our home record this season and just Dunfermline haven't been they've been pretty inconsistent this season as well and well they've obviously got back to back defeats but even earlier than that it was like 1-1 draw 1 1-1 lose 1 so it's you kind of don't know what you're getting for them yet but uh, nah, to be fair I think uh, I'm expecting us to get a good result and well, I suppose that's the old thing uh, derby games means that form goes at the window but uh, nah I'm looking forward to it, even though I'm gutted I'm not getting to, to be there, but that uh, no, should be a good game. Yeah, definitely. I think um, by the sounds of it, I mean, by the, by the time this episode goes out, the South Stand could be sold out. I think there was only like, 100 <laughs> tickets left or something like that last time I saw. So that um, that's very good. I mean, it's it's Thursday night as we record, so still plenty of time. Um, might be um, running out of space in the main stand as well by the time we, uh, we get to kick off, which is very nice to see for a uh, you know, a middle of the season league game. Um, in terms of the Rover side that's going to actually start this one, the um, excellent folks at Wraith TV put up their usual um, pre-match interview with Ian Murray earlier on today. Not the best of news, um, in as much as it sounds like Ian Hamilton. St- uh, Ian Hamilton. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> definitely not going to get. <laughs> He's definitely not going to get. Bye, Jack Hamilton. And um, Nathan called Ian. <laughs> Sorry, Lattle, Ian Lattle's going to get a game for us. <laughs> Keith Watson. Keith Watson, thank you. That is exactly who I was looking for. Fucking hell, we can't even remember the Dunfermline players, but then when we get to the point that we can't even remember our own players, this is when we're playing with Duncan. I have a real mental block on, uh, on Keith Watson's first name. I nearly forgot it again there. There was a fight like two episodes ago at one point. I just just only referred to him as Watson because I can never remember what his bloody name is. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is he hasn't trained. So there's um, certainly no chance we'll see either of those two. And Dylan Easton, I mean, it sounds slightly more positive for Dylan Easton. That we talked um, last time, that could have been a bit of a disaster scenario. But he, um, this one might come too soon for him, but it sounds like he's not too far away. How do you think that's going to affect things? Uh, Robbie, we'll come to you first of all in terms of how Ian Murray might line up and how you would line up for this one. Uh, I'm not even going to try and line up, um, which is not exactly great content. But it's yeah, it's just so hard to say because the, the news that we've had about injuries before, um, it's just been very inconsistent in terms of getting told that people are a couple of weeks back or are going to be back soon and then oh they're still out 
Um, and that's been rumbling on for a little bit. But you can understand why it's done. It keeps people on their toes and uh, just very hard to predict how it's going to be. But also as well, we don't know, not that we should be paying them too much attention per such um, how Dunfermline are going to line up. They're saying that Kyle Benedictus is touch and go. And a lot of their fans were slaughtering uh, the boy Breen, I noticed, last week, I think. I mean, they generally uh, just seem very, as you say, inconsistent in the way that they are and their line-up and the players that they've got out. So it's very, very hard to actually focus and tell how this game will go, which doesn't make for great preview podcast content, as I say, <laughs> but just, I suppose, time will tell. And Ian Murray knows what the situation is and uh, trusts his capable knowledge of uh, our squad. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right about Benedictus coming in for them. I think it'll be huge. Mostly because they, they play that back three and you really need someone to organise it because otherwise a lot of the time you find one guy's just wandering about and doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. And that's obviously what um, Benedictus does for them. But to your, your first point there about Ian Murray, I, you're right, he doesn't tend to make kind of big wholesale changes based on his opposition. Because if you were going to do that, it's time to do that would be when faced up with someone playing a back three. But he didn't um, for either the the first two derbies, so I would I wouldn't expect a hugely um a hugely changed team for this one. Um Blair, what about you? How are you um thinking about the lineup? Well yeah, I mean in terms of the injury news, I mean Dylan Easton um is a is a massive loss for any team. But I feel like for us, and this might come back to bite me hugely, I feel like for us it's kind of not as big a loss because it's the one area of the pitch that we've got we've got options. Like there's 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 more options there. Keith Watson's more of a, a miss for me. Um yeah. I think it's interesting you're talking about Kyle Benedictus. If you'd said this time last season that we were going to play a back three and Benny was going to be organizing it, um I don't think there'd be many Rovers fans who would be too excited about it. Um I certainly don't think there was many Rovers fans um were hugely disappointed to see him go. When he went, I think he's he's kind of time had, had come. He'd been a good servant. I mean, I and again, I really liked him, but I think it's really interesting how much they rely on him and how big he is for them. I think it says a little bit about where they're at. Um, but I think it'll be really interesting at the weekend just to see how we line up in the kind of at, at the back more than anything else. I think it'll be you know it's that same thing we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. If Brown plays centre half. Does he just play burn on his own in the midfield? Does he drop Stanton deeper? That's maybe more of an issue now if you also don't have Easton further forward. You know, you maybe need Stanton further forward to kind of drive us on a little bit. Um, there's definitely decisions to be made, but it's going to be one of those, I feel like, where it's it all hinges at the back and, and then it ripples through the entire kind of side. But it all is going to, I think it's going to all stem from the centre-half. I think the one thing that we can take a big bit of confidence out of that was the performance against Dundee United and the way that Scott Brown was in that game. If we played them after the Airdrie game, I think you probably would have been like, oh, fuck. Whereas now it's a bit like, actually, he's played against Tony Watt. And I don't, again, this is probably going to get clipped to fuck if uh, <laughs> it goes tits up. But um, I don't feel that Craig Whiten's as good as Tony Watt um, in terms of technical ability. Um, certainly not as good as Louis, Louis Moult. Um, and I don't think those are particularly bold statements to make uh, I think most people in the division would agree with that probably the Vermont fans as well but at the same time 
yeah, I feel that he's had we gone into that game having not had the Dundee United one behind us, then it would have been a very different situation. But because of that, I think we should take a lot of confidence from it. Thought it was interesting. Um, I think it was in his his five hundred days interview. Ian Murray mentioned that his decision to play Scott Brown at centre half rather than Adam Masson when he needed to drop someone in was predominantly an attacking decision. That that was really he thought that by doing that the the Rovers were better able to actually take the game to the opposition. So for that reason alone, I would expect that to continue. Um, and I don't think it's any slight on Adam Masson at all, but the the logic checks out that Scott Brown's better able to step out. He's a better passer of the ball. He can get the ball forward quicker than you would probably get from um, from Adam Masson. And yeah, so I think we'll, we'll still see that kind of on the front foot from the Rovers. So that for me is, is the way that I see it. I think it will still be Scott Brown um, in the back four and then... Sean Byrne will nominally be the only sort of holding midfielder, but as you say, Blair, it's a question of how much additional work does um, Sam Stanton then end up doing. Um, Scott, how do you feel about that kind of midfield piece and and Stanton? I'm going to let Christina come in about Sam Stanton in a second, but Sam Stanton haven't they almost give up a little bit to do the extra work coming backwards? I get what you mean, but I think we could see starting further forward this week if Easton isn't going to play. I think you could see him in the sort of 10 role and they might just leave Bun to do the mopping up in front of the, the back four. Uh, I might be wrong, but I just think that especially, I think it if it had been at East End, then we might have put Stanton further back. But with us being at home, we like playing on that surface as well. And if you can get, as we were talking about after the Munchos game, I know it's Munchos and they're a league below, but that connection between the front four and Stanton was included in that. I don't see why you don't go with that front four again. Obviously, the debate is probably Mullen or Connolly. But uh, no, I think Stanton will be pushed forward if, uh, if Easton's not playing. So, Christina, I know you're Sam Stanton's biggest fan, and also you've, um, you're have you on record on this podcast saying you really like both Smith and Vaughan up yes. front kind of as a, as a two. So presumably yes. that's what you're you're hoping for on Saturday, just that, as Scott that's... says, kind of all-out attack on that front. Yes, that would be my ideal scenario on Saturday. I really like both Vaughan and Tom Smith, and I think you cannot have a derby without Lewis Vaughan, especially against Dunfermline. So, um, Stanton, I feel like, yeah, I mean, I think he's great wherever he plays because um, he's the best player in the championship, <laughs> which has been now put on record. It's been taken to people and, yeah, the vote was cast and he's the best player in the championship. So, I think as long as we've got him, um, although I... Listen, Dylan Easton's brilliant and he definitely will be a loss. You are going to feel a loss if Dylan Easton's not there. But um, Sam Stanton is just so reliable and I think he'll make up for any any gaps. And is you and Murray back? Will he be back? Yeah, I think believe so. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, um, one of the fitness bug ones, I think. All right, okay. Fitness so, bugs, even. Yeah, I'd like to see him back as well because I think he's really good. Definitely. And John, um, 
I want to hear your thoughts just generally about the side, but I'd also like to hear specifically about the point Scott mentioned there, because for me, I think it's the the biggest question over like an individual position. Aidan Connolly got 90 minutes against Montrose, and now he's had an extra weekend to kind of reset. Would you be pitching him in from the start here? Or um, is Josh Mullen keeping his place, or are you finding a way to, to fit them both? What do you think? I think I think um, if if uh, Dylan Easton's missing, I would be playing Aidan Connolly. I think he's he's quite hungry. He'll be desperate to show what he could do. Obviously, he's playing. It'd be coming up against one of his former teams as well, which is never a bad thing in a derby. Um, um, it was quite interesting that both him and Josh Mullen actually were suffering from the 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 Delhi belly as well uh, for um, the Montrose game. And I don't know if anybody noticed, when Josh Mullen scored his goal, Liam Dick made some reference to him, pooing himself. <laughs> Did you see that in, yeah. in the celebrations after the goal? So, and I do know, having spoken to Aidan Connolly after the game, um, he was... He was suffering, so I think that was probably a 85% Aidan Connolly that played that day. And, I, you know, I think you guys touched on it uh, um, on an earlier podcast. I think, Blair, you mentioned the fact that, you know, we'd, we'd kind of forgotten that Aidan Connolly has been our main man for goals and setting things up for the last two seasons to see a fit Aidan Connolly back in the team would be a great thing. Um, so maybe this is the the opportunity to start him. Yeah, I think so. Um, personally, uh, I think it was um, Ian Lato was particularly um, kind of passionate making that point about Aidan Connolly as well, and I, I, he, he kind of convinced me as much as anything else um, as he made and that I, argument. Duncan, think... if he comes into the team. Sets up two goals, scores two goals. I think next week I'll undoubtedly say that he'd be the best player in the championship. <laughs> I, 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 I think I would delete I that poll, and I think we would get a question, resounding response. <laughs> question: He would be fair play. Yeah, Christina's still silent though. She's no, she's no budging. No, not. Like, I feel like we just need to let that lie. We've confirmed it. It's Sam Patton. We'll just move on. Everybody else can keep trying. Aye, aye, yeah. Isn't it amazing that we've got two two such good players in our team as Stanton and Easton, with Easton just slightly ahead of them. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, I mean, it was like the, um, I, I can't even remember what game it was now. Was it possible that it was a Dundee United game? And we were picking man of the match and we, we each picked a different yeah. player at that, that forward unit. Because I think I, that, that was also the same week that um, Scott McGill got into the team of the week, was it not? Aye. No, that yeah. was the Montrose game, wasn't it? Aye, it was, Aye, it was Aye. the Montrose game, yeah. I forgot yeah. We all picked too. a different man of the match and somebody else got in the team of the week. I think Kev Dubrovsky was team of the week for that one. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a good point in that the... And I think, to a large degree, it's that forward unit bringing the best out of each other um, in large part, which, you know, Fingers crossed it continues. Um, is even the guys that we're not really mentioning in this same argument. It's Callum Smith, Lewis Vaughan, who both had excellent seasons and are, are absolutely excellent players in their own right. So 
it does um it does hopefully bode well for Saturday, as you say. Dunfermline seem to really <clears throat> they get beat three 0 by Partick Thistle, but then they seem to actually, if anything, play worse against Air United. They they only get beat one nothing, but by all accounts, first half they were terrible and really should have been um hammered. But it's one of these where, as you say, Scott, it's a derby, it's very different. You sort of you're always at risk of a of a backlash, but they are yeah, really kind of hamstrung by their injuries. You look at the players that they've got. That I mean, Lewis McCann's excellent for the championship. There's no kind of getting away from that. But you go beyond it. There's not a lot to, to Can fear I just say, in that. That that Kane Richie Hosler lad that's out injured. He's played like one game this season. By the way, their fans talk about him. You think that he must be like Iron Robin reincarnated in a footballing body because he just seems to get better and better every single week that he doesn't play. And you're thinking, can he be that good? Like, realistically. But again, he'll probably come back at New Year and tear us a new one or something daft. But I think um, the point that I would say is that what's interesting is you look back historically in the diaries, and I think Dunfermline have always been seen as sort of the, the team that played the more attacking football. And under John McGlynn his first spell in particular, we were seen as very direct and just kick and rush almost. It's, the tables have totally turned on that in the last few years. Like, we've been the far more aggressive attacking team. We might not have been successful in some of the derbies, particularly the season that Dunfermline went down. But yeah, well, you you consider like the players that we've got. And it is interesting talking about sort of the number ten, the ten issue that we've sort of got in terms of people like Easton, Vaughan, Stanton, even Smith being able to play. Um, the depth that we've got in there, you just think back to all those years where we didn't have the depth in those positions, where we didn't have sort of the sort of almost like maverick flair type players. What a great position to be in as a club, by the way. Just having that, it's just so good. Just like, and it might not work out for them on Saturday. It might well be the case that Dunfermline come away with a win, but you still feel very confident the squad's going places and that we're doing things positively. Um, so yeah, it's just a, it's a nice position to be in. Sort of like those options there. Saying at the start as well, like I feel like we're a different animal this year. Um, like I, I mean, I'll I, I'll be the first to admit it. I love Joe McGlynn. I, I absolutely loved him as a manager and. And and I mean I was a a massive fan of his. Um, his one failing for me was every time we played Dunfermline, we shot the bed. We we did it every single time. I mean, you go back to him playing McNeil in goals instead of McGovern the season that they went up. It was like it was ludicrous some of the times that we we played against them. Do I mean we we beat them comfortably um, at home in that five one game? But that was the same that was the same season we lost four one of them away from home. Do you know what I mean? And it's that thing of, like, I feel like this team, I mean, we might lose on Saturday. I'm not going to sit here and say that we're guaranteed to win. We might lose on yeah. Saturday. I just feel like we don't have, we don't have the collapse in us. And this might actually get and come back to <laughs> I really don't feel like we do. Like, if it, I feel like if that happens on Saturday, it will be out of character. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Whereas, under McGlynn, you always felt like it was, it was possible. Like, it was, it was almost not even possible. It was likely. Like it just always felt like we did we always felt that we team thing. Um and we kind of internalized it and behaved like it almost as well. Um apart from that one that one five one game where we absolutely schooled them completely. I don't ever remember us even games where we've beaten them and played well, I don't ever remember us being you know, comfortable. 
There was the there was the New Year game where Taddy ripped them to shreds and Baird scored as well. And um, what I loved about the the five one game was we've just scored to make it five one, and Reagan Hendry is running back shouting at the players, "Right boys, come on, we want to score more." And and that was just brilliant, wasn't it, to hear? And you know who gave him pelters after? Who? You and Murray. <laughs> You and Murray, at the end of that clip, you can hear you and Murray going up to him, like trying to have words with him. Um, but I, it just uh, shows how times change. Yeah, but but does that not just tell you what we've got in our team now? You know, I think earlier in the season I said that we're more resilient, and that's what it's about. There's a better unity about us. We've got guys in there that I think you guys have all mentioned that that have won this league before, and. You know, they, they know what it's about, but having you and Murray in our teams has been a great a great thing to have, isn't it? Kim coming back. Absolutely. Just yeah, to, agree. to your point there, Blair, about it doesn't really feel like this team's got a got a collapse in them. I, I agree with you. And I think um I'm willing to share that burden uh, <laughs> when we get turned over at the weekend. But it's it's, it's to almost flip that on its head, you know, sometimes you watch a team that's that's winning a few games narrowly and you think, like, we're going to give somebody a do-in soon. You know, like, this team's going to win a 4-0. I don't really feel that way about this team either. It feels like, I think I'm right in saying all of our league games so far have been decided by a goal either way or, or, or have been a draw. So we've yeah. not shipped a couple, but we've not scored a couple either. And it feels like that quite narrow sort of bandwidth is, is quite ripe for this team, like in the championship, is that they're a good championship side and you could see them winning a lot of games by a single goal and they'll lose games kind of by a single goal as well. But yeah, they're not, hopefully, going to get turned <laughs> over very often at all. And equally, they might not go out and put five past anyone, but they're just very good and very almost like a very mature football side in terms of they're just they're doing their jobs right and over the course of a season that's going to come off for them more often than it doesn't um which yeah is very very different from as you say like John McGlynn's sides had quite wild polar you know opposites sometimes and, and as he seemed to like I don't know if I can think of another manager who more visibly sort of overthought certain games than, than John McGon and stuff like that. But you could see stuff that he had not tried at any other point in the season suddenly came out at East End Park. It's like, this is Stevie a really Simmons odd way. On the wing. Yeah, exactly. Just mad stuff like that. What season, what season was it that we, Lewis Vaughn scored his hat trick? Was that no the cup? Uh, aye, it yeah. was. It was uh, that was when we had uh, Grant Gillespie's uh, brother playing. Uh, <laughs> what year was that? I think 2019? 16, 17, I'd say. Uh, I thought it was 2019. Yeah, I think it was later than that. I've got the ticket right here. It is. 19. 19. 19 to January 2019. Uh, 19. It was yeah. uh, Dan Armstrong's last game as well. Time flies when you're watching that Weatherburn run about the middle of a pitch, eh? So. What are you calling <laughs> it running? <laughs> Can I tell you a funny story? I was in, Always. I was, I was in Argentina when that game was going on. Um, we'd been to Guasu Falls, which, if you look up, is one of the the seven natural wonders of the world. 
and uh, we done a one of these rib boat things and went about it. Came off soaking, and I and I'd vowed not to switch my phone on, so I vowed not to switch my phone on. We got back to our minibus, and I said, as soon as I stepped inside the minibus, I'm putting my phone on. I switched it on. It went mad, and I looked down, and it went Lewis Vaughn, Lewis Vaughn, Lewis Vaughn, and I I looked up, and honestly, I was so emotional, so emotional, and there was tears in my eyes. And this woman came up, this Welsh woman came up and said, oh, you're so emotional. Wasn't that such a great sight? And in my head, I'm going, what the fuck's she on about? Lewis Bond scored the hat-trick against the Pars. We've pumped the pump. What are you on about? So there you are. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, never have to apologise for a story like that, John. Nah, it's tremendous. <laughs> so... In terms of Saturday's game, then anything anybody else wants to add? Anything I wants to throw in uh, before we get on to around the predictions? I just wanted to say about that. Sorry, I'm going back to Lewis Von Hatch again because see, at that point, I hadn't been a Rovers fan for that long. And I thank Duncan and Robbie, I think you know the story. But when I first, the very first Rovers game I ever came to, I came with a friend and we got relegated back into League One. And it was a really horrible day. It was raining. Everybody was like raging. I remember the fans. I just looked around me and everybody was shouting and swearing. And my friend was like, that was horrific. I'm never going there again. And I was like, that was amazing. I'm going back. So that was our first ever game. And then not long after that, I kind of then was like, I'm really going to dedicate to this. I'm going to buy a season ticket. I started going all the time. And that game, that Lewis won 3-0, I was like, this is why... I love football. And if I could explain it to people that don't know football, it's very difficult to explain why I love football. But that day with that hat trick for me was like the best day of my life. My, yeah, husband, gets, my husband gets raging when I say that because I've, I've been married and I have a child. But that was the best day of my life. It all kind of came together as well that day. I was doing the social media. I hadn't been doing it very long. But we'd um, I'd kind of recognised that there was a, a big issue that we didn't have any like content to put out. We didn't have enough photos around the ground. We didn't have, so that was actually the very first day we had Leslie Fleming come along, who was the, the, the girl who did the yeah. fan photography. Um, and there was another photographer as well. So we actually ended up just by pure luck. It was the very first day that we tried it. And we got all these amazing, so all the photos around the ground of the fans, almost all of them are from that day because the, everybody was smiling. It was pretty much the only week for a wee while where everybody was just so happy. Um, but uh, it was a cracking day. Absolutely it was amazing. Cracking. Watching that North stand empty with about 10 minutes to go, that was glorious. And you know what's uh, awful? I uh, I missed that day because it was my dad's birthday. I had to go down to a meal, um, which my sister, who lives in Coldstream, decided to book in the borders. And oh, I was no. fucking fizzing. <laughs> Fucking fizzing. My mates, my mates, I don't know if they're going to listen to this, but they consistently say, ah, you weren't there for that Lewis Von Hattrick into the uh, into the South Stand, though. And you're like, you're absolutely right, I wasn't there. And I still begrudge that fact, even though I love my family to bits. Lewis Von's Hattrick was, sounded pretty fucking special, to be honest. I mean, You were robbed. Yeah. Aye, I was. I do, uh, yeah, feel that way. But aye, still, family, eh? Got to be done. I was going to say just one final thing on Saturday then. My only other weird kind of prediction lineup wise is I do wonder if he'll go with McGill at left back again. 
There's a little bit that wonders if he'll do that and shuffle across to keep the two in the midfield. It's the only, it's the only niggling thought in my head. It worked really well in the away game. I wonder if he'll try it again. Do you know? Do you know something? We're we're coming up with all these permutations. Imagine James McPeak sitting there going, "How are they going to play? How are they going to play?" Yeah. I I I don't believe Benny. I think that's smoke and mirrors that Benny will be fit for some. Yeah. No, honestly, I even watched. if he is fit, I don't. I that would not be a concern for me, whether Benedictus plays for them or not. And again, very probably bold prediction to say this, but. I just think that he's just... He'll stand out in League One absolutely fine, but you put him in, into the Championship and you've got players that can slip by him and potentially cause issues. We saw that already. The first derby, uh, or the second derby technically, um, where, when um, he made the fuck up at the back and Sam Stanton got in, and it should have been 2-0. Like, he's not a... Uh... Yeah, it should have been... What, uh... what did Sam do there? Can you, imagine, <laughs> can you imagine if Benny plays on Saturday and gets sent off? Oh, oh, I, I, no, I said I that earlier this pain. season that I yeah. fancy Benny for a sending off in one of the derbies. Like, it used a... to be horrendous for them at Falkirk. Like, it was literally every away game at Falkirk he would get sent off. There was like literally three or four that happened. There's a flip side of that scenario that that terrifies me too much though, which is that he takes their penalties. Yeah, yeah. There is the coming back. I actually thought about that. Kev. This is the big question: the, the coming back to haunt us. I thought, actually, is this a premonition that we're getting Benny coming back to start? I thought that before the season started, we drew them in the League Cup. I was thinking, we've got to play them five times. Are we getting through five games without giving away a penalty? But, I mean, we're not giving away a penalty yet. and uh, We've not seen a goal in the final 15 minutes of a game as well. Which is... Uh, but, um... I think I think that it's, that's a really interesting question, Blair, in terms of, will he put Miguel back in? So, my feeling is that he won't, purely because he hasn't done it since. It would be a very kind of McGlynn-esque move to then go back to that. Um, and I think if it would be more likely if we were in poor form and they weren't, or even if it was an away game. But I think with the way the cards have fallen before this one, I, I suspect he'll keep it the same, based on his own justification that Scott Brown, the defence, is actually more of an attacking move. Um and yeah, John, to your point, I think you're absolutely right. And I don't know that I don't think James McPake, to be fair, is the kind of manager who goes out and looks at his opposition and, and kind of picks his own team to suit. I think he's quite wedded to his own system. But in terms of how void he's of ideas, actually... say that again. I'm saying you mean void of ideas. He's void uh, of. <laughs> I think he's got loads of ideas. I just think most of them are are troublesome. And potentially I'm offensive. <laughs> um, as long as you're not a student trying to enjoy a night out, I'm sure he's perfectly pleasant. <laughs> um, anyway, let's move on from that because I I don't want to get abusive texts from him after his team gets beat either. Um, predictions, please, uh, Christina. I think we had yours already, but let's let's pin you down just to one. So, what do you think? Full time score on Saturday. I'm going to go four two Rovers. Excellent. Robbie, how are you feeling about it? Uh, you know my prediction already. It was uh, 2 0 for uh, the Rovers. Excellent. Scott, how about you? I, I just can't see it being high scoring. I know we've had 5 1s and 4 1s in recent seasons, but 
if you're going by the usual, it's usually a 2-1 or a 1-0 or something. Mm. But I, I'm confident that we'll get a win, so I'll say we'll get it 2-1. Blair, how about you? 1-0 Rover. John? I'm with Scott. I think it'll be 3-1 to the Rovers. All right. Well, I tell you, I'm going to go for a 1-0 Rovers as well, just based on that kind of... Um, the way these games have been going, they've been tight so far. But um, fingers crossed for a six nothing because that would be good fun. Um, so I tell you what, let's just have a quick chat. Then I mentioned that already um, earlier in the week. Um, Davy Hancock sat down with Ian Murray, put out a, a, a very comprehensive run through of kind of his first five hundred days. In the job, um, it was a very interesting interview, actually. Just kind of the first half was a bit about kind of the, the time that it's had. And then the second half was just a bit more about kind of Ian Murray as a as a person. But we're not going to sit here and just um, replay something that you can watch elsewhere. I want to just talk more generally about Ian Murray's time in charge. I suppose naturally it will contrast with um, John McGlynn, that we've mentioned already. But just generally, uh, Robbie, we'll start with you. How do you feel about Kind of Ian Murray, how he's got on so far and, and potentially where he might go from here. Yeah, so last season I think he did the best with what he had available to him. And um, that was not having a lot available to him, whether it was through injuries or just the lack of finance to be able to go out and buy players this season. It's been touched on by himself. It's been touched on again by other fans like Blair tonight, saying we're a bit of a different animal this season. We've got a bit more to us about um, in our squad. So, yeah, I, I just think that he just comes across as a really down-to-earth guy, just very, very pleasant to listen to. Um, seems to be doing a really good job and um, happy with how things have been. He's given us some memorable results so far. He, he doesn't uh, um, shy away from any sort of questions or any, um, any sort of opportunities. And that comes both with being with Rovers and going away from Rovers as well. He's always made like no qualms about the fact that if opportunities come up, that he might go. Um, and I, I think you've got to respect that, that if he did get an opportunity to potentially move on, then he might go for it. But yeah, he's, he doesn't shy away from that, which is good. So yeah, I feel it's been um, it's been an improvement. And I think at the time it came that we needed that change from after John McLennan and everything that happened under the old regime um, in that final season. A change was needed and he's been perfect. And he just... His ethos just seems to be about just improving the squad, improving the sort of the club itself, and in turn seeing Kirkcaldy improve, which I think everyone can get behind that message. Um, I feel like there's a lot of self-deprecation, and I've been bad for it um, in terms of like the local area before. But if the club can act as sort of a, a sort of beacon to to help out people and to offer a an area that people can go to, then I'm all for it. So yeah, excellent. And um, Christina, how do you feel about the the gaffer on the job he's done so far? Um, I couldn't say it any better than Robbie just said it. Um, I think he's fantastic. I've only had two Rovers managers that I know before um, Ian Murray, which who were Barry Smith and John McGlynn. So for me, it's just all about Ian Murray's manner, I would say. I like his calm presence. I like the way he talks. I've spoken to him a couple of times out with the football and I feel like he just is a very normal guy, very down to earth. And I don't know, I always feel like we're very safe with him. Whenever I listen to him in an interview, no matter how bad the game's been, no matter how good the game's been, he's always on an even keel. He doesn't get caught up in it all. So 
yeah, I just think he's, I just think he's a lovely, lovely guy. Um, again, totally agree with Robbie about. It. I think we we got him at the right time. He's been great for the club, and I love his whole ethos about it being not just about football. It's about everybody as a community, which is amazing. So I hope that continues long after he's gone. I hope it's like his little legacy to the club. Yeah, definitely. There was an interesting thing that he said right at the start of that interview with Davey, where he said that um, he feels like sometimes it takes time for other people to warm to him. So he was talking about, I think, specifically about the people he works with within the football club. And I thought, I thought that was quite surprising almost. Like, all right, he's not exactly Mr. sort of laugh a minute, like everybody's best pal kind of guy, but he seems like, a, as you see, he seems like a lovely guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a little bit surprised almost that he said that about himself. But um, I agree with, with everything you've said there. It's something that... Um, I can't remember if I said it on here or in my very brief appearance on the radio, but I remember saying to someone that um, I feel like the new board were quite lucky that Ian Murray was the manager who was already in place because he seems to me like the kind of manager you would want for the kind of thing that they're doing, which, as you say, he's very level-headed, he's very calm. He seems, to your point, Robbie, that like he's he's ambitious, but he's ambitious on a personal level. He doesn't seem to me like the kind of guy who's going to go and start asking the board to pair budgets up to get him an extra loanee from Fulham's under-23s with, you know, X amount of games to go or anything like that. So, um... I think it's um, a valid point as well to say that because of his experience in Norway, um, he's been open to having that sort of John Potter come in as the technical director. And he's... Can you imagine another manager? Like, I, I don't know, obviously, what John McGlynn's like as a person because I've spent about like, maybe an hour in his company. But, um, like, can you imagine it was the case of John McGlynn saying to him, oh, by the way, we've got John Potter coming in. He'll take over some of your responsibilities. Like, a man that's just known as a workaholic. Um, whereas Murray, because of his time in Norway, he says, yeah, go for it. Brilliant. Fantastic. Work, work before, work before. I'm open to it. So he's quite forward thinking in that sense, which is good. Um it, I feel like uh, the role of sort of like technical director, director of football has always been seen very negatively in terms of the British football, um, whereas he just seems to have had that exposure to it elsewhere, and he's almost painted it in a very positive light. It's like he sold it. It's like he's actually been the one that sold it, even though he was the person that sort of um, must have been approached to sort of say, what are your thoughts about it? If we do this route, he's been, yeah, absolutely go for it. So It's also probably quite interesting that We've just talked about the manager of the football club for, well, we, half of us have talked about the manager of the football club for, for five or ten minutes there. We've not really actually mentioned football yet, which is probably quite a a unique thing. But the fact we're talking about him in very positive terms, but just generally about how he's representing the, the football club rather than you know just complaining about the fact that he brings everybody back for uh, for corners um, <laughs> or whatever else you might want to, to complain about. Um, so... Blair, give us your thoughts on uh, on Ian Murray, including if you don't like that he brings everybody back for corners. I really don't, actually. Um, yeah, I'd agree with everything you've said. I think he was exactly the the, the manager that the board needed. Um, I think he he fits that mould. He, he kind of sells it. I, managers always talk about community and they talk about the local town and all the rest of it. I, I don't know if he's just better at it or if he genuinely means it, but it comes across that way. Do you know what I mean? It's... It sounds certainly more genuine. Um, Footballing-wise, um, I think he he's a very different, again, kind of manager from what McGlynn was. Um, he's he's a, certainly a lot bit less patient, I would say, 
um, in terms of, you know, he's quite happy to play football, but he wants to play it in the final third rather than um, across the back four. So we, we, I, it's a, we, uh, I wouldn't say it's upsetting, but there's a few teams of this this year have described us as being direct, um, which I always think is the way we describe our growth. So it upsets me when folks say it about us. And I really don't think we are direct, but I do think that we try to play forward rather than just, you know, needlessly holding on to possession. Um, for an interest of balance, there's two things that I wish he wouldn't do. And you've nailed one. So don't he just, didn't he bring Dylan Easton back at corners or Lewis Vaughan? Because I'm not being funny. What do they offer? Because that isn't the height. Just leave them up. Like, you stretch it. I've never understand why we put 11 men in the box at a corner. It frustrates the life out of me. And the second thing, and it's actually my only real criticism of, is the substitutions at times. Because sometimes it's like, it ends up reminding me of a school game where you've got all the boys on the pitch, but nobody actually knows where they're playing anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's like, we've, we've stuck on six forwards, and then he turns around and he realises he's only got Liam Dick at the back now, and do you know what I mean? It's kind of, it loses all shape and it loses all kind of cohesion. Um, Spoilers for anyone that's not seen the, the third Lord of the Rings film, Return of the King, but it's like watching them all at the end charging into the big orc <laughs> army, just like <laughs> players running forward, just like there's about nobody defending everybody. at all. And it's then you end up chaos. with, and then he takes one of the centre halves and tells them to go up front as well. It's just like, sometimes, sometimes we lose the shape a little bit too much for my liking. Um, but no, in terms of his interviews and Again, we've spoken about John McGlynn before, but um, John's interviews were awful. Like they just were. He, he'd, you know, you wind him up, and he was still flapping away twenty minutes later, kind of thing. Um, whereas can I really can you count? Can you count? Can you count? Can you count? I really feel with Ian Murray, um, he's really good at it. And I, just one thing before you move on, I think it's really worth noting just how lucky we are to have Davy Hancock because those interviews are incredible and I don't think people realise and I, I'll I'll say the same for you Duncan, you make this presenting thing seem easy but the um, having presented one myself it's definitely not, I can promise you but the, the interviewing thing is not easy and he does such a good job of it Yeah it's, um, that was something that was touched on at sort of the volunteers day uh, during the summer like I think every table they were asked like what does the club do well and like number one at like every table was either Rave TV the Community Foundation was those sort of like two things that got flagged up um, personal experience of Davies just like he's just absolute class act he's continually just see since we started this just pings off DMs just like just where we wee bits and bobs just sort of saying yeah this is going really well just and he's obviously got experience from back in the day with the treatment table which was a podcast before a podcast effectively podcasts weren't a thing when that was on the go but they were doing that um so yeah um i've got nothing but good things to say about davy and the race tv crew they're all just absolutely fantastic people and they've been so welcoming and just again just a spirit of cooperation rather than competition he knows what he's doing and we can all work together and build a better club so why not i think you'd have to go a fair distance to find somebody who didn't only have Good things to say about uh, about those guys, yeah. um, Scott. Why don't you give us your thoughts on uh, on Ian Murray and and the the five hundred days he's had so far? I mean, there's not much more else that we can say. We've we've pretty much covered it. I mean, he's just as the, the guys have said. It's he's 
so easy to listen to. Like he, he just such a likable guy, and then he, he says it so many times in his interview as well that he wants to be improving guys as human beings, not only just as footballers. And he's, and just the way that he goes about his business, you can tell that yeah, the players are just going well. It's easy enough for him, so why can we not follow suit, sort of thing? And I mean, I don't think we've got any. Well, it's pretty certain that we don't have any like bad eggs in the dressing room this year. Whereas last year, I don't know if we did, but it just the cohesion wasn't there last year. I, I suppose it's probably because we're chopping and changing constantly. But no, I I think uh, it took a little bit of time to get used to just how he wanted to play last year compared to. This year he's been pretty settled right from the get-go what he wants to do. And it obviously, with the new board coming in, they basically probably went, well, we can give you what you want, just tell us what you want and John Potter will go and help you, basically. Because that was every interview was, oh, yeah, I asked, the player goes, oh, I spoke to John Potter and John Potter wouldn't leave me alone, basically, for two weeks. So <laughs> that's basically what it was. So it, it probably was also good for Ian Murray that, he got more of a break in the summer of, well, John Potter's going to do this. But uh, no, overall, I'm happy with him. I even said when uh, we hired him, when we were doing the K107 show, that uh, I'm pretty sure Graham brought it back up at the end of the season that I said it would be manager of the season last year. Uh, just because I thought, when I heard how attacking he'd been at ERJ, seen him a few times, I thought it probably suits the sort of players we had. Probably came a season too early in terms of the players that we had. This season, we're seeing what he can do, and yeah, let's just hope he's here for another five hundred and that it continues as it's been going. Yeah, See, in terms of the impact that that has on the pitch, in terms of what Ian Murray's doing in the background as as in getting a cohesive team. I mean, I've never played a game of football in my life, so I can only look at it from what it looks like to me on the pitch. But it's beautiful football to me. Compared to what I saw previously, the last few seasons, like this kind of football, I really like to watch it, which is important, I think. Yeah, definitely. It takes a bit of time to get that kind of um, stamp, that kind of impression on a team. But he's he's had a season now to do that, and I think we're we're reaping the benefits. And uh, John, you've been you've been very patient. But I've deliberately have left you to last. Why don't you give us your uh, your thoughts on Ian Murray, the uh, the man and the manager? Well, I think it's best summed up in one word, and that's progression. From the moment he came in to now, we've progressed so much. Blair, I'm I'm with you. Initially, I didn't know what to make. We'd go a goal down, and all of a sudden he was taking off. Some of his substitutions were a bit baffling, you know. Um, but he seemed to have tempered that that thing now. But I think the the addition of John Potter, and I have to put my hands up. I did say. Why are a club our size? What are we doing with a director of football? I didn't really understand what the, the change would be there. Um, but as as you said, Scott, I do the interviews for the the programme and every player I've spoken to, it doesn't matter whether it's Sean Byrne, Callum Smith, they've all had some interaction with John Potter in the past. Um, at Dunfermline, they played together. And uh, they, 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 as you said, they've been badgered by uh, by um, John Potter to to sign. But I think 
the good thing is the three of them, we've got a management team there now, Cameron, Murray and John Potter, and they seem to be getting the best out of the players. Um, I know that last season was difficult because one of the things was the lack of bodies at time, but um, everything seems to be moving forward really well. So I'm very pleased with the situation. Fantastic. And uh, that just brings us to our uh, our final section for uh, for this episode, which is, as usual, is the big question. And the big question that I have for you guys this evening is um, I'm going to give you a bit of a magic wand and um, ask you if you could make one change to Starks Park at the time being, what would it be? And I'm going to start with uh, Scott. Let's come to you first of all. Uh, well, when we first brought this up in the group chat, I thought this could get quite interesting and see how creative everybody's going to get here. But uh, I went with quite a sort of, if you want to call it an old-fashioned sort of thing. I'm obviously somebody that's only been going to the Rovers since sort of 2002, that sort of time. So obviously I, I didn't see a lot of us in the 90s and stuff like that. But when I look back at, 80s and 90s videos, pictures and everything. I've spoke to my dad about it a few times as well, that I would like us to bring back or raise up the ground and uh, get the old enclosure back in front of that main stand and have it as like a standing sort of terracing area. Just that when you look back at it then, I don't know if it would change now because obviously the south stand's completely different, but it just looked pretty cool how it was and how it was set up. People were tight right next to the pitch as well. And I just thought if you do something like that, then it would, uh, it would yeah, I think it would be pretty cool to bring that back. I'll yeah, just jump definitely. in there, Duncan, because he's completely stolen my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> thought this might happen, to be fair. thought there would be some uh, some agreement uh, across the panel. Yeah, I, um, I, I do remember... Um, I'm obviously a tad older and I remember um, Starks Park, I remember us lifting the, the first division trophy in the, in the main stand and, and all of that. Um, I remember the tunnel when it was a tunnel, no, a set of stairs. Um, you know, and it's that thing of, for me, that, you know, that nine foot drop that we have on the other side of the wee wall. I'm always waiting for a player and no realise and, you know, jump over for the wall and, and disappear over the wall. I would love to see that raised back up just, I don't know, pour a load of concrete in, bring it up, because do you know what? That's where the singing section should be. Right yeah. in that corner, right in there. Everybody wants terrace in. Why would you stand on the other side? Stand in front of the main stand. You've got the south stand off to your left. You've got the singing section all cuddled into that corner. It would be tremendous. I think that's yeah. where the noise would, would come from. Blair, the good thing is that was... That was the making of Wraith Rovers managers back in the day as well. You know, Frank Connor, when he was the manager, used to have running battles with people walking up there. And yeah. Jimmy Nickel, when Jimmy Nickel took over, he told a story um, at the Rovers Down South dinner last year where he'd just come along from Dunfermline where he'd been a player coach looking after the reserves. He took over as the Rovers uh, manager and what he did was he didn't like the kit we had so he got himself an old he had an old Dunfermline top 
and he, he got a black marker pen and tried to score it out. And <laughs> as he was walking up to the 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 game, somebody must have noted, and we weren't really doing too well on the pitch. And as he walked down at half time, somebody shouted over and went, "Hey, nickel!" And you can get that fucking red Dunfermline tap off. We see what it is. So he didn't understand the 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 differences between the Rovers and Dunfermline and the dynamic there. But that's what it was good for as well. Well, John, what you've got, the mic. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you continue? What, what what change would you make? Well, I think the other thing that that was mentioned was the railway stand. Um, I last week at Reminiscent Wraith, we had Andy Harrow there. He got sold to Luton for eighty thousand pounds. So that was the money that went into building that stand, and. I don't know if there's a way they could tie up with something, get the railway, get LMER or something to sponsor that stand. That would be a good tie up, and if we if we could get some some way of getting that back into operation, it would be good. It would be another way of giving. But I never even thought of the enclosure, boys. So kudos to you two for coming up with that. Christina, how about you? What are your ideas from your uh, your lofty perch in the uh, in the main stand? Mine is about the main stand actually, but it's very basic. All I want is a back to my chair. I would love that. <laughs> that is all I want. And if money's no option, I mean, let's have some heated seats in there as well. But I just would love for that section. There are some in the main stand. The other side have backs on the chairs, but not where I sit. And as I've always just sat there because that's where everybody I know sits. So. I've always just been there behind the tunnel and I would just love when it's a really cold day and you're absolutely freezing and you've no back to your chair. It's a... Christina, Christina, as, as the, the only female panellist, is there not a lack of female toilets as well? That was actually something that I mentioned when I was on the fan panel about the toilets. There's two in the main stand, but very, very run down. Like I said, it's not really a good look the club at one point the taps never worked properly the plumbing was awful that's all been fixed now i feel like it could definitely do with a bit of a revamp as a whole the female toilets i think um seeing as we've got our uh our magic wand we could get you a, get you a couple of armrests as well to go with your uh if, if a wee cinema seat or something yeah if, if player <laughs> and Scott are, are filling in about you know what considering you open the podcast tons, now you just have a wee thrown in the main stand. That'll be it, Christina. Just give did it any, Christina, did you did you see Alan um Alec Penman when he brought his own seat and sat in the main stand last season? He had he brought a little fold up picnic type seat and he sat right in the corner. Um, <laughs> he did that last season. I thought that was class. He'd had his hip done so he he couldn't sit on the seats there, but he brought his own one. I'll be uh, looking on Amazon tonight for um, heated football throne seats. I'm just going to buy it and bring it. Yeah, just get yourself a black and white one that will match your top. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Robbie, what about you? Um, I mean, everyone else has covered all the good ideas. I'd just say if, um, I don't know if there was any like egregious fans that were just getting on the players' backs and being a pain in the arse, um, I would say just bring back the bugler, just on those specific occasions, and that would be it. Aye, 
a blast from the past. That seems quite achievable. Yeah, uh, sure infuriating and very annoying, but yep. um, you could definitely manage that. It's uh, actively off-putting as Lift the uh, spirits for, for the players. Every anything. time you hear a bugle, it just takes you back to Star Spark. Love yeah, that. anytime I hear a bugle or uh, Simple Minds alive and kicking, I think yep. the, the two of them. Um, I'm uh, I'm gonna throw my weight fully behind the, uh, the getting the singing section and that sort of pocket in front of the main stand. I think that's an excellent idea. Um, I didn't really thought about that, but that's that as you say is a perfect home, and you've got the exact opposite problem the singing section had, where actually all the acoustics and everything would be right there. You're properly kind yeah. of penned in. So can you imagine that behind the dugout though? How fucking chaotic would that be? That'd be great. Just like if you could get them behind the dugouts as well, that'd be. Well, I tell you what we'll do. We'll get Christina a chair ordered, and then we'll get like a dozen more for the guys right behind the dugout, and we can recreate that issue from East Fife next time we get beat. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say that the when when John talks about you know selling Andy Harrow to Luton and buying the railway stand, and we sold Stevie McInnesby to Bolton Wanderers, and we built the North and the South stand. Like I don't think concrete's that expensive. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure who we'd have to ship, but. Like I didn't feel like we're gonna to have to get rid of Dylan Easton or anything to, to finance this. Like do you know what I mean? We could probably, I don't know, stick John on the transfer list or something and that'll be enough <laughs> to to get us a bit of concrete for that, that front bit. And I'll tell you what, on if that this was football note, manager, John would be indispensable. Indispensable. I was gonna try and cut us off before John responded there, but I think actually he's managed to self-censor for uh, for once. So anyway, that is us for this evening. So thank you very much to everyone who has listened. Thank you to the panel for joining me as well. Um, We will hopefully all have a very enjoyable afternoon on Saturday. And as always, if you are at the game on Saturday, you find that the people next to you haven't heard the podcast, haven't been listening, let us know where we are. And we will see you all on hopefully Sunday afternoon where we will be reviewing with any luck another three points for the Rovers. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. On the Rovers.